Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Donald Trump is proud of of his COVID response. And what is it they say about pride, Pat? It that usually comes, comes before, before the, fall. the fall. Yeah. Also, it is week three of college football and week two of the NFL on the docket. We're going to break down our team's games and highlight games that you should be paying attention to. All that and a little bit more coming your way today on Critical Thinking. I'm Andrew Coppins. He's Pat Oni. Let's get in to said critical thinking. You know, normally today would be deep dive Thursday, right? Where we take a single topic and dive deep into it. And then in the second half, we talk sports, but I don't know that we have to go super, super deep on a deep dive Thursday. Uh, but I will say this, Pat, um, <clears throat> anybody in my view, that has been holding out hope that Donald Trump would get it when it came to his COVID response. Anybody that would hope that he would listen to reason, listen to science, listen to data, listen to polls, listen to anything other than his own ego, you are sadly and sorely mistaken. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, given, especially given these, this interview that we're about to uh, go over with Megan Kelly, I think it yep. kind of says it all. Yeah. Because he spoke to Megan Kelly in a wide ranging interview that will be airing today, but clips of which came out yesterday. And I think <clears throat> one of the areas that Donald Trump has not really faced a lot of pointed questions has been the COVID response. I mean, it was one of the things that I was aghast at during the uh, segment that Glenn Beck had with him. I, yeah. You are one of the people who push back on the COVID nonsense the most, and, and more importantly, you've known what Steve Dace and, and company have done, and you just let him slide. Yeah. Tucker, it was puff piece type stuff. And some are saying, well, he's just Joe Rogan without the weed references if you will right um tucker he's kind of becoming this like i'm gonna have a conversation but i'm not gonna no no what made tucker famous is his ability to critically think his ability to independently think 
not necessarily care what others think of him and ask really tough questions of everybody. And he's not doing I, that I just, on X. Yeah. I I just I just don't think Tucker knows what he is right now. From what I've seen. Which is weird because they feel like he's gone through a lot more self-discovery, if you will, over the last couple of years than almost anybody on television or in conservative media. Because he has really kind of dived deeper into his religious beliefs. He's dived deeper into understanding the Bible and, and all of that, right? Right. Which so that makes it weird. I, I don't know if it's he, he's just not sure what plays on on the platform or what, but something's not clicking. But anyway, Megan Kelly has a serious XM radio show, the Megan Kelly show. Right. Um and she got an interview with Donald Trump. So one of the things that has come out is that Donald Trump is actually proud. That's right, proud and believes that he deserves a ton of credit for his COVID response. In fact, I'm just going to let him talk for himself. And then, Pat, I want your instant reaction. But I have people on the other side. I don't, not my side, although probably there's some on my side too. They said, you saved 100 million people because I got it done in nine months as opposed to five years to 12 years. A lot of people- You're proud of it. No, I'm not proud of it. I'm saying what Democrats think. Democrats. I get it. I mean, and I'm not, and I'm not, not somebody I'm who not, denies some of the good yeah, that the vaccines yeah. did. I, I lived through that too. But yeah. of course, a lot of people have been vaccine injured. And that's one of the questions. Those people are mad that they were rushed through and that they can't sue. Well, I never gave mandates. And people have to make up their own, you know, make their own decision as far as I'm concerned. Now, some places had mandates, very strong mandates, uh, largely Democrat governors and probably some Republicans, et cetera, et cetera. But there are Democrats that say, why aren't you talking about that? It's one of the, they really believe strongly. One said, you say, and this is very smart people. They said, you saved 100 million people worldwide. Uh, in 1917, you know, they, it could have been as much as 100 million. It ended the First World War because all the soldiers were dying of, of this horrible disease of 1917. You know, it actually ended the First World War. The soldiers were dying. They were on the lines. They're fighting and they're dying of this horrible disease. They said, you might have saved 100 million people, 50 million people. Why aren't you talking about it? I said, I'm not talking about it. But what I did do is I got something done for that specific thing. I also got Regeneron and I got a lot of therapeutics done, which were great. I also got the robes and the leather and the rubber and all of the different things, the ventilators. Mm -hmm. We did a tremendous job and it's never, you know, they appreciated what I did with the economy. I got a lot of good marks on economy. I got a lot of good marks on a lot of things, rebuilding the military, getting rid of ISIS, uh, the biggest tax cuts in history. Uh, Supreme Court. I never got, I think, the credit that I deserve on COVID. So, Pat, your thoughts? He He wants credit so badly that it seems to me that um, he's tying his own noose um it, he he's he in one sentence he said that uh 
um, he, he saved a hundred million lives. And she asked if he was proud of it. And he said, no, I'm not proud of it. Um, it, no, it, he was talking about like the COVID response. Right. And, and, right. and, and she asked, well, so are you proud of your response? And he said, no, 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 I'm not proud of it. That's Democrats who say that. Um, but yet he's, he, he has said he's proud of it. That's the thing. You he are correct. He has absolutely been boastful, proud of mm. his quote unquote operation warp speed, which was what he says is his government issued response to COVID-19. Right. So I just, how do you, how do you, um, look at this and say it was all good and not acknowledge any of the bad because she brings up, she brings up a great point there. There are a lot of people that have been injured by the, by the jab and are mad about what not being able to sue. Well, being able to sue. So I want to go back in time, Pat, because I, I do have a very serious question for those types of, of individuals. Do you or do you not have personal responsibility to make a choice? Yes, you do. Okay. Do I believe that they should have been given just blanket immunity? Not necessarily. Also, what I believe is that there is a case to be made where you can prove fraud. Not just um, these didn't work the way that they were uh, supposed to work or I got sick because of this. You could prove actual fraud. And what do I mean by this? We know what they did with the data in Argentina, right? The the I think it was the world's largest um, single-sourced uh, testing, right? Where they threw out, what was it, 20,000? They unblinded on purpose 20,000 individuals and threw them out of the trial. All of them having having to have been people who got sick or were vaccine injured, right? To do what? How do we know this data? Because it leaked out from internal things at Pfizer. That data was never presented to us. We were presented with the narrative, right, from the government, from Pfizer, from Moderna, from others, okay, and from governments all over the world, by the way, a narrative in which these have been tried, these have been clinically passed, they are safe, effective, vaccine injury is rare, right, in that, they also believe that what you couldn't transmit, you couldn't get sick, and it would prevent you from getting it in the future. What do we know? They never tested transmission. Not once. That is perpetuating a fraud. That's not puffery. That's not puffing statements, right? They, they never even bothered to test for one of the most important anecdotal statements. It was being represented as 
truth. It was being represented as something that everybody involved in the trials, everybody involved in bringing this to market knew to be true. And you perpetuated a fraud. So they should have... I, I struggle with the immunity side of things, that, that they shouldn't have had immunity. They should be able to be sued because this was government asking for something, right? This is government asking for something that would take longer or shorter. You know what I mean? Like they were asking for speed, efficiency, right? Now, as a company, could I have said, no, we're not doing that? Potentially, yes. But also the power of compelling nature and the billions and billions of dollars of intertangled money between government and business here creates a problem, right? Sure. If I'm a company, what incentive do I have to rush this to market? None. Except for now I have some sort of immunity. What I think they should have gotten immunity from is immunity from if these didn't work, you got to sue. Meaning if they didn't prevent transmission, you transmitting, or if they didn't prevent you from getting sick, or if they didn't prevent you from dying, right? Sure. You and your family are not responsible or not able to sue. But what we got was absolute blanket immunity from any sort of prosecution. So I struggle with the they shouldn't have any immunity argument, and I struggle with they needed blanket immunity as well. I live in the middle. I believe that there should have been some legal, given the government pressure, okay? If you were to take government out of the mix and the money on the table from the government, the that sort of situation off the table, there's no way that they would have done what they did as fast as they did because it wasn't safe. It wasn't easy to figure out. So I kind of live in the middle there. What, what, what say you on that? Because I want to be careful about this um, immunity argument. I, I think there's a lot of valid points here to be made. Um, I think that, you know, I, I, where I struggle is with given the, given the speed and the nature of what, in which this came out. Um, I can understand immunity to some degree about not being able to sue if it didn't work. Right. Because you, you are, you are a, uh, able of sound mind body adult that can mm -hmm. make a decision for yourself and understanding like, Hey, there's a risk factor here of whether or not this will work. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to take it anyway. I understand that there might be certain side effects, which were disclosed and of like, cause I remember when my wife got, got hers, she, um, she got the Moderna vaccine. Right. And they, they were told like, you know, the, the, the first shot will make likely make you sick. It was either first or second. I can't remember which now, but, um, and you know she she still made that decision like okay like it's worth it to me at this point sure um you know and that was early on then as more information came out and they were starting to require <laughs> boosters for this boosters for that 
Mm-hmm. And this is where I think we, we, you know, immunity starts to go away is within this booster argument because mm-hmm. we now we know, hey, this stuff's not working, and now you're pushing a booster on us. Um, no. Yeah, at some point in time, personal responsibility comes into the into the frame here. And, and and that's part of what I said from the very beginning is that I'm going to let data and I'm going to let science guide how I feel about putting this into my body, right? Well, and w- because I didn't trust the data that was coming out at, at that moment in time because it was impossible for them. Remember, they had less than three months of data before they put this stuff out right uh to us so there was no way to know short-term long-term ramifications of taking this and and i just refuse to believe that the risk of covid was greater than the risk of long-term injury for myself and i believe that i've been proven correct on a vast majority of this because what did we just see from Florida's um, um, Surgeon General, Joe Latipo. Uh, they did exactly uh, what every other Western European country has yeah. done. They have banned or stopped recommending getting a shot if you are under the age of 65. And in fact, the recommendation is to speak to your doctor if you are over the age of 65. And the recommendation to the doctors from the Surgeon General in the state of Florida is that doctors must take this on a case-by-case basis. They They must study it for the individual to make the recommendation. It cannot be a blanket, I don't know, recommendation. Well, what does that tell you? Yeah. Uh, it, you you can't make a blanket recommendation because not everyone works the same way. Remember, right. remember, I used to say the the phrase mm-hmm. of, you know, what what is medicine for one is poison for another. Yeah, it's the abso- same. Thing absolutely, here. I totally understand that, and that's exactly where Joseph Latipo was going for right. over the age of sixty five. But but where in terms of the immunity argument, you know, if if especially if like you're a company or a business that that tried to mandate this vaccine, especially mm-hmm. after this information started coming out. I think that's where you start losing immunity. A thousand percent. I think, I think it'll be interesting to see where this kind of goes down the road. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've seen some companies win, some companies lose. We've seen a lot of mixed bag when it comes to this. And I think it's going to be difficult to, to win that argument. But I, I think from a perspective of vaccine injured, that those that are injured vis-a-vis taking this vaccine have every right to sue in my view and not yeah. necessarily for performance sue for fraud because they took the ability for you to know the correct information away from you because they were not testing for transmission yet they right. told you it would prevent transmission they made statements that are patently false on their face about the shot. They they made statements about its efficacy that were absolutely untrue. And they hid the data that would have shown 
just how unrare some of these injuries actually were, right? And how unrare it was to get sick. Because when you unblind 20,000 people, like they did in Argentina, and thus exclude them from your final tally, it makes a hell of a difference in the data set that people could, even if you want to make the argument that you take on personal risk. Yeah, you're right. I do take on personal risk. But you lied about the information. You prevented me from knowing the proper information for me to make a properly informed decision. Not only that, but you perpetrated a fraud. That's where I would go with this. I wouldn't go down the, the you, you gave me a rare disease, uh, I'm going to sue you for performance of your medication. That's right. not the route that I would take. I don't think that that dog hunts, especially given the time constraints and the operation warp speed and, and all of that, that I don't think they hold liability that direction. Unless you can prove that they had information on those specific injuries and hid those specific injuries and the severity of them from the public, maybe maybe you have a case there. But again, would Which, that not be perpetuating a fraud? So Yes. Okay. That being yeah. said, speaking of frauds though, did you did you pick up on the part that I picked up on right away? That Donald Trump cares more about the opinion of the Democrats. He thinks he's making a point that he's not making in this argument that he's trying to say. He's saying, yeah, but Democrats believe this, right? Democrats believed I did a good job. Therefore, I had to have done a good job. Even my quote-unquote enemies, right, believe that I did a good job. They're telling you, the American people, I did a great job. Operation Warp Speed was a great thing, and the and the shots were a, a miracle for the American and uh, public in the world writ large, right? Well, to to his point, who the is irony he speaking of, to? I I don't know, but but to his point here, um, it, it's it, it's kind of funny because here here you have the Democrats, you know, going against him on virtually everything. Yeah. Yet the one thing that they're trying to push down everyone's throat comes from the Trump's administration. Like the Democrats have pushed the jab harder than anybody else. So you are correct on that, but I will say this though. I don't think he's making the point that he thinks he's making because, again, I still ask the question, Pat. Who's his audience well, that that point is meant to drive home for? He I, I thinks don't it's know. for whom? He thinks it's for the GOP primary voter. You see, it, it, in the no general election about. voter, right? The the right. independent. See, see, Democrats believe that I was right. So don't listen to those that are on the right or to the right of me on this issue, right? Those who the Steve Daces, Andrew Coppins, Pat Oni's of the world, right? The mm. Daniel Horowitz's, the the um, Alex Berenson's. And don't listen to any of those people who did deep research, deep data diving on all of this, deep understanding, not necessarily of the cellular science, but understanding the impacts, right? The data, the correlations and causations and, and unpacking all of that. Don't listen to those people. You have to listen to me that this was great because even my quote-unquote enemy, that dog don't hunt. There is nobody, even if you think that there's only like 1% that are that are, don't have their minds made up about Donald Trump, okay? Even that 1%, even if you believe that, there's not enough of those people, even in the 
three or four states that you need those voters in, right? Uh-huh. There's not enough of them that will go, oh, you know what? Mm, he worked across the aisle on this. I should probably vote for him. That, no like, one cares. What point are you making? Who Who's the audience you're trying to get? Because your base will recoil at that, right? Your base right. is going, hang on a second. The, the people that we didn't like who did what you, quote-unquote, didn't do are the ones agreeing with you about this being a good thing? Why was that? Oh, that's a reminder of everything they didn't like about Operation Warp Speed and the COVID era. That is just dumb politically. Whoever put that in his brain that he needs to highlight that Democrats and Republicans both believe this to be good is an idiot. There is literally nobody, not a single voter out there, to be gained by thinking that way and by saying that. But he's not done because Megyn Kelly also, I think, did one of the most brave things I have ever seen when it comes to taking on Donald Trump. And she pointedly went after his continued advice-seeking from the science trademark, the truth registered trademark, President, excuse me, our Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. I, I, I love how you had to pause for a second to think about the entire name. Because it's taken, it's been a while since we've had to Right, it's it been a while since we've used it, but it's, it's, it, it's such a long name now that, you know, you have to like pause well, and think about it. We have Twitter. to give him his monarchical proper titling, right? Like, have you ever heard the, when they do the announcement of the royal families, like in, in Britain, when they yeah. do that announcement, it's like yeah. the Prince of Wales, da 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 It's like five different titles. It's like, what the? Or, because we don't have this here, right? We don't have the barons or the dukes and the earls and this and that, where it actually still exists in class society class is really a thing over in england it is a it is one of the things that blows the mind of americans when they spend more time over there that that is still a reality that class actually exists like we have rich poor middle class all that stuff but we're talking about literally like aristocratic society actually still exists over there it blows people's minds but speaking of the aristocratic uh, Anthony Fauci. Fire Anthony Fauci uh, was because he'd been there for a long time, that you would have taken heat, that it would have created a firestorm, quoting your words. Then for the first time in well, May... Well, I also said I didn't listen to him too much. I'm yet. getting there. But then in, in May, you started saying, well, he's a civil servant, so I yeah. couldn't technically. The truth is, though, not only did you not fire Fauci, who is loathed by many, many millions yeah. of Republicans in particular, but also some Democrats. By the way... You yeah. made him a star. You made him a star. This is the criticism of you, that you made him the face of the White House coronavirus task You think force, so? That he was at every presser, that he was running herd for the administration on COVID, and that you actually gave him a presidential commendation before you left office. Wouldn't you like a do-over on that? Uh, I don't know who gave him the commendation. I really don't know who gave him the commendation. Well, presidential I commendation. One went I know. off the mark. Somebody Miller, probably... He... Just so everybody is is in the know here, he absolutely 1,000% did give a presidential commendation to the science 
the truth, Lord, Savior, President, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Is it is it so hard? Is it so hard, especially when it can, because like here's here's the thing. You could say we could go back and make the argument on the on the entire jab that they were just trying to do the right thing. They understand they got this out fast. Um, it didn't go the way as planned necessarily. Um, say what you want. You know, you you we established you know just a little bit ago. Like, hey, you're an adult. You made this decision. You have to live with the consequences. Mm-hmm. You know, like like we could make that argument all day long. But but where I I kind of draw the line here mm-hmm. is how how do you not see where you effed up with Fauci? How do you how do you sit there and continue to gaslight like hey yeah I I I really screwed up with Fauci I I gave him too much attention and power and all this stuff and I shouldn't mm-hmm. have if if I could go back and do it all over again I would have you know if he couldn't technically fire him he's like well i certainly wouldn't have put him center stage anymore and i would have just thrown him in the back room and made him be quiet you know like at the very least that but he could have fired him he could have gotten rid of him like like damn what the rules are get rid of his ass and and be done with it and he didn't do that and he ain't sorry for it yeah, and I think the the argument that absolutely 1,000% falls apart for me on this, number one is the fact that he obviously doesn't remember giving a presidential commendation to how, how Fauci. Do you not, how, do you how, how do you not remember that? More importantly, it, what does that say about the importance of accommodation, right? Right. If, you're, if you are giving them out so often to so many people that you just don't remember it happening, uh, or to your wrong. competency by the way, because let's not forget yeah, that. Yeah, that, that, was gonna say, that could be the other part of it, too. Yeah. Um, but all of that to say this, the other thing that really matters here, the other thing that falls flat for me is this argument that, oh, I just really didn't listen to him very much. Um, Like the reels uh, or the TikToks, uh, bullshit, uh, bullshit, uh, bullshit. The little kid in the backseat, right? You know what I'm uh-huh. talking about? Yeah, yep. I know exactly uh-huh. what you're talking about. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we've gone over this a million times. Because what did what did people like Chip Roy even or Rand Paul or others who had the ear of the president on this that were following data, following science and the ebbs and flows, right? They they're the ones who brought him Scott Atlas, right? who was one of the leading epidemiologists or leading scientists, period, point blank, on understanding the science of all of this, right? He had a choice. He never listened to Scott Atlas and his advice, not once. Not one time. He was given an actual choice. The the Robert Frost, right, moment. Two roads diverged in the woods, right? Yep. You could choose left. You could choose right. You could choose Fauci or Atlas's road. He chose Fauci. He didn't even choose a third way, right? He didn't even choose a right. middle ground. He hook, line, and sinker. Now, what would he probably also say to this? Well, that's also because I put Mike Pence in charge. Now, politically speaking, he's right. Right? Like he put Mike Pence in charge of this group. 
But ultimately, the buck stops with you because you're the one who put these people in power. <clears throat> well, Anthony Fauci is a long-running government servant. That's fine. That doesn't mean you have to listen to him. He has no power, no sway, no ability to affect any actual government policy without your approval. But let's be clear on this. The CDC under Donald Trump listens to Donald Trump and Donald Trump listens to the CDC. He easily could have said, no, this is the path I am choosing. I am choosing Scott Atlas. But what did he do to Scott Atlas? Less than, what, four months into Scott Atlas being there? Fired him. Took him off of the, the, the group. He was gone. See you later. Sayonara. Adios, amigo. Peace. Deuces. But, but this also speaks to how well he supposedly hired people throughout his administration. And sure. this is probably right. the, the, the we, crown jewel moment of how bad he was at hiring people to be in certain spots. Yeah. Mm. And, and to sit there and say that, like, whoa, I couldn't have fired. Here's the reality. There might have been some legalities that he would have had to have overcome. Yeah. Right. But when it comes to doing the right thing. Even if you don't fire Fauci, you make him toothless. And I'm not saying you punch him in the face. I am saying you make him sit on the sideline and have like a little puppy. And he has no influence, no sway. Instead, for your entire final what? Let's go December to we're talking eight, nine months. Right. Uh -huh. Whom did you continue to put out in front of the public? Because Fauci. here's the other part of this. Don't give me that you have no control over whom goes on CNN, whom goes from your administration, from your government. A bullshit, a bullshit. No, you have every ability to control that. You go to CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC News, right? You go to all of them and you provide them with the approved list of people that speak for the administration. That's how this game is played. It is always played that way. It always is and has been played that way because you want people who speak your megaphone, not their own, your megaphone. So don't give me that I didn't listen and I didn't do this. If you weren't, why were you in lockstep with every one of his effing recommendations and never once took a recommendation from Scott Atlas? Not one time. All right. With that being said, I think now is a great time before we get into fun on this Thursday mm. to have a little bit of fun. But uh, let's go ahead and, I don't know, play a little bit of the beer, not the beer, Pat. All right, today's headline, if you are ready. Democrats scrambled to find replacement for retiring Mitt Romney. Democrats scrambled to find replacement for retiring Mitt Romney. Now, while you are thinking about that, folks, we have a little bit of a change with our fine friends at Coffee Brand Coffee, okay? Um, hear me out on this. The change is if you use the code 
critical thinker, not critical thinking. We've had to change that uh, due to some affiliate uh, changes. But if you use the code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout, you will get 5% off of your purchase today. Do not forget they have two new fall flavors that are out for your uh, goodness. You also can do a a bundle or a subscription service as well. You will still get 5% off of your purchase today. Go to coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER at checkout for 5% off. Again, that is coffeebrandcoffee.com, enter the promo code CRITICALTHINKER, not critical thinking, critical thinker at checkout. Okay, Pat, speaking of that, uh, do you need to critically think some more on this or do you know the headline? Uh, I know the headline because you said it to me yesterday. Oh, crap. Forgot about that. <laughs> but yes, this is. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. (laughs) The Babylon Bee. Yes, this is the Babylon Bee. This is based this is as based as you could possibly get i had to show i i could not stop laughing at this headline because this is so great this is this is the peak of satire because it's so damn true now it says here washington dc the democratic party was left scrambling for a replacement today as longtime faithful senator mitt romney of utah announced he would not be seeking re-election quote this is a huge blow for the democratic party said senate majority leader chuck schumer Romney has been one of our most reliable senators. He will be sorely missed. Democrats have immediately begun searching for a replacement candidate, concerned that conservatives in Utah could flip the seat Republican. Quote, Romney being able to carry Utah for the Democrats was an unbelievable windfall for the party, said analyst Chuck Todd. It will be incredibly difficult to find another candidate who can win in such a deep red state while completely and utterly turning his back on the Republican Party. It's like finding a unicorn, unquote. According to sources in the Romney camp, the senator plans to retire to the plains of uh, Namibia to spend more time with his fellow Rhinosaurus' family. So what he's saying is um, he plans to go to Africa on safari to Rhinoceros? Oh, he's a rhino! That's what they're saying, Pat! Anasasaurus. Okay. So when he was running back in 2018, or when he first announced that he was running, very first thing I said that he was at best, at best, this is what drove me nuts about his campaign and why so many people here were were like, oh, Mitt Romney's running. We're going to vote for Mitt Romney. I'm like, guys, this is a stupid vote. 
This is a stupid candidate. This is a wholly unserious. Why? Because he's at best a one-term senator, maybe two if he's at least somewhat serious. Yeah. At best a one-term senator because he is not running to represent the state of Utah. He is running because he has an agenda. He accomplished that agenda. He ain't running. He doesn't need to run. He's old. Okay. He's getting up there in age as well. I'm like, this, this is a dumb vote. And it, everything that he has done since being in office has been antith- antithetical to representing the state of Utah. Notice I'm saying the state of Utah, by the way, folks, not the people of Utah, because that's what the senator is supposed to do. He's supposed to represent the state. He ain't representing the state, has never represented the state. Yeah, I mean, I'll just say this. When I talk about the stupidity of the Republican Party and, and, and how we talk about how they hate their base. Mm-hmm. Mitt Romney is the prime example because he's the poster child right now. I, I want I want people to understand this. Okay, let's go back in the time machine to two thousand and eight. Okay, Barack Obama wins. Right? What does he right. attempt to do with his newly found cachet? Obamacare. Right. Right. It passes. John Roberts gives him the rubber stamp somehow. Right. Not claiming that it's a tax on the American people, in which he, they have right. no power to do so. Um, okay. That's all fine and dandy. What, what happens in 2010? The Republican party wins in a sweeping majority, right? Right. Just sweeps into power on the back of what? Hating Obamacare. Yeah. Repealing it. Um, getting rid of it, the, all the stuff that in the Tea Party and and all the things that begin to happen, right? Right. Number one issue, Obamacare. Number one issue, Obamacare. Number one issue, Obamacare. Who do they run in 2012? Mitt Romney. And Romney. Who literally, as governor of Massachusetts, gave the baby version of Obamacare to the world. Euler. So what does that effectively do, Pat? It takes the number one issue for your voters. The number one issue. I'm going to say it again. The number one issue for your voters whom were so engaged and so motivated that they swept them into power two years prior. And you nominate the guy that gets to take that issue off the table for you. Mm-hmm. Because why? Mitt Romney did what in the state of Massachusetts? Government run healthcare. Yeah. Um I and don't get me wrong, I was uh, my roommate at the time when uh, the 2012 presidential election was paid staff for Mitt Romney. We were both on board for Mitt Romney at that point in time. I've both, I, I, I haven't spoken to him, but I, I've since had the awakening that, oh, Romney is not the person he claims to be. Yeah, for me, I um, think um, 
that ticket had more to do with Paul Ryan for me. Because at the time, I believed that Paul Ryan was an absolute warrior when it comes to budgeting, when it comes to like the the mechanics right. yeah. of yeah. of all of that, and putting that on the ticket would, would be very helpful, right? Right. And also I was an absolute get... Paul Ryan fan. I've known about, I have met Paul Ryan on multiple occasions. I find him to be absolutely a very good human being. I find him to be an absolute dork. When it comes to policy, he's a policy wonk. He absolutely 1,000% is. But I also see him as a pragmatist. Um, <clears throat> I also find him to be a really good person. Just, he's a good dude. That He's a family man. That's who he is. What you see is what you get with Paul Ryan. There's not like a hidden version of him, if you will, right? He's just who he right. is. Right, and that's rare for a politician these days, um, but he is also somewhat of a pragmatist, right? Too, um, and we saw that when he took over the speakership, right? Yep, and, and kind of some of the things that he did there. Um, at the same point in time, though, Team GOP has an opportunity here, right? It really does, Mike Lee. In another strong conservative out of the state of Utah instead of the swarmy, swiney BS that you've been dealing to the rest of the country lately, vis-a-vis governors, vis-a-vis elected officials, period, point blank, wouldn't this be a great opportunity to show conservative values, to show maybe some sort of liberty-based uh, mindset beyond Mike Lee, who very clearly cares about liberty, very clearly cares about constitutional responsibilities and represented representation of the state, not the people of the state of Utah. Well, that that's what I said yesterday when this came out. I'm like, okay, called it. Yeah. Uh, now we have to do better. Yeah, I don't know that you will. Yeah. That's the problem. Uh, I, I, I don't know that we will shown that in a while. I mean, we 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 do have some some interesting people running that I think could be better. Yeah, we'll talk about that um, down down the pipe, right? Yeah, but um, I just think if they if if they cannot replace <clears throat> Mitt Romney with a solid constitutionalist, that's the bellwether for me that the GOP is absolutely dead. Why? Because you have every opportunity to seize the moment. And if you refuse to do it, what does that tell you? Yeah. Instead of somebody who's going to vote 90% of the way the other way to get yourself somebody who's solidly on your side again, and then you also have the opportunity to pull the Kirsten Cinemas, the Joe Mansions of the world, your direction 30 40% of the time, Instead of having Mitt Romney go the other way 90% of the time. Just saying. All right. With that all having been said, now is a great time for us to get into some football picking. That's right, because it is week two of the NFL without Aaron Rodgers. Oh, that's so, so brutal. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. It's awful. Now, I can tell you right now, the, the number one fight, as we kind of talked about and hinted at, I believe yesterday was the fight over, or was it Tuesday? 
Maybe it was Tuesday. That, yeah, that, that we're going to be fighting over uh, whether or not grass versus field turf is going to be a thing. Um, but neither here nor there because there are games to be had this weekend, and that's the important thing. We also have college football week three. And I don't know about you, Pat, but that's my response yeah. to college yeah, football week especially three. when it comes to Big Ten play, it's pretty – yeah, yeah it, it really is. Um, your biggest games this weekend, Virginia at Maryland, and LSU at Mississippi State. And still don't care. Oh, wake me up with the cowbell from Starkville. <laughs> uh, this is what I cannot stand about college football. These types of weeks. But with that being said, both of our teams are playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to talk about our team's games. Well, I don't know how much talking we're going to do about them other than to say Wisconsin is hosting Georgia Southern. Ohio State is hosting Western Kentucky. And the ass whoopings commence. Now, what I'm going to be watching for, Pat, is can your offense get in gear fast? Because holy crap, you guys got some problems. I, I'm... I'm a little shaky on OSU right now. I'm uh, honest with you. Join the freaking club. Yep. Uh, you know, like like the the Indiana game was lackluster in terms of offense. Uh, there were improvements during the Youngstown State game, but it was Youngtown, Youngstown State. And here's here was my thing last week. I didn't even watch the game, and this was my takeaway because I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Hide. It was on the Big Ten Network. Last week's game should have been like seventy to nothing. And in a typical Ryan Day, Ohio State world, it should have been like double to nothing. They let Youngstown State score within the first quarter, and they shouldn't have. So that, I'm like, defense, there's some concerns on defense still for me. Um, The offensive line, there's some concerns, especially when it comes to the running game. Kyle McCord looked better. I think he still needs to prove himself. And I don't think he's really going to get a test until next week, which is the Notre Dame game at Notre Dame. I think this week what I'm looking for is for them to make adjustments to make you know fans feel good about Ohio State going into South Bend next week because that is going to be a tough road test. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's what I'm looking for. We're, I mean, we, we should offensively destroy Western Kentucky and defensively, we should destroy Western Kentucky. But I, I don't, I, I don't know about the offensive line. I don't know about the defense right now. Those, those are my two big concerns. No, and that that's definitely fair enough. Um, I, I think Western Kentucky is not the Western Kentucky of the last, oh, I would say four, three to four years ago, uh, yeah. or four to five years ago, really, a, a team that just pitches it everywhere and can really cause some problems for teams. The talent level there has gone down a little bit. Okay. Let's be honest about that. Um, So I'm going to be watching that offense to see what happens. Uh, They got You guys got to settle in at something at quarterback. I just, I'm not seeing it right now. Kyle Kyle McCord is the QB one going forward. Like there, there is no question about that at this point. I think I, I, I have not seen anything to, to like from Devin Brown. 
Right, but my um, point is that even with Kyle McCord, I'm not seeing it. Right, he's not your Justin Fields. He's not your guy that gets it right away. Right, your CJ right. Stroud. I, yeah, he's not. This is this is going not. to be a struggle year. Yeah. So I I think you get the easy win here. You're at home. Probably give up ten to seventeen points to a team that likes to pitch it around. Right. Wisconsin, at home, Georgia Southern. This isn't your Georgia Southern of a decade ago in which they would ground and pound you to death, right? This is kind of where, like, the Paul Johnsons and all those types of the Todd Monkins really kind of uh, cut their teeth, right? Georgia Southern FCS was a power. They went into the Sun Belt, and they've done some good things over time there. This is a team that has been flipped, though. It is that modern college football offense. Uh, it's not air raid. It's a modern college football offense. It will run and pass, but it will pass more than it will run. Wisconsin's defense has got to show up and create some turnovers. It absolutely has to. And speaking of turnovers, Wisconsin's offense has to stop. They, I think they've got five turnovers in the first two weeks. I've got to stop giving the ball away. And one of those turnovers was absolutely massive last week against Washington State. They're driving, 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 and on the ground it goes. And that, and that, I think that's what cost you the game. I, well, that yeah. and some of the shittiest refereeing I have ever seen. At one point in time, the game should it should have been twenty four twenty four. Was twenty two twenty four should have been twenty four twenty four as we. Well, it's where the. Uh, the the st- the sack was started. No, no, no. It is where the momentum stopped. Not where the sack started. It's, it's yes, where it's the like momentum the... stopped. And it's where did the momentum progress. stop? In mm-hmm. the end zone. With the ball going backwards, not forwards out of the end zone, going backwards into the end zone. So the and ball oh, by the way, the, the person physically with his chest had touched the quarterback and then wrapped him up, didn't actually have possession of the quarterback until he was in the end zone. I, and they never reviewed it. But anyway, neither here nor there. Wisconsin is coming together better on offense overall. It still has all. It's, this is going to be a, a multi-year transition, and I've said this for a long time, that the offensive line is an absolute great offensive line when it comes to run protection. It's pass protection for the last, I would say, seven or eight years has been piss poor. Piss poor. It's the reason why Graham Mertz and Jack Cohen looked like absolute dog crap, right? Jack right. Cohen goes to Notre Dame and looks like a serviceable, at worst, if not a really good quarterback on his best at Notre Dame. Why? Because they actually know how to pass protect. Wisconsin is going to have to flip through its Rolodex of offensive linemen to get to a group that actually can do this. It's going to take some time, but we are seeing progression for this offense. I think you're going to see it again. You're also going to be able to see them hopefully road grade a little bit as well, um, unlike what they did against Washington State. But they have got to show up better. Absolutely, this is on the offense. I think they do. I think they score in the 40s, probably 45-17, somewhere around there as well. Um, And then on the defensive side of the ball, they've got to show that they can get some sort of damn pass rush. Again, 
I talked about this in the offseason, Pat, right, with you? Right. That mm-hmm. defensive line scares the crap out of me in not a good way. And that's proven to be true. Um, they don't have depth. They don't have production. And it's because they're flipping to a defensive line that has to produce a pass rush. And that was not their MO prior to this season. Their MO was to be what? Space eaters for those blitzing linebackers and people coming from all over the place. What has actually worked for this defense is a reversion to that style, right? Where where are we coming from? That, but that's not the style of defense that Luke Fickle likes to play. He likes to be able to play with the three down linemen producing that pressure, allowing linebackers to get into space to have to make them go horizontal and not vertical, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's not happening because you don't have any. So it's going to be a while. It's going to take some time. Um, it's going to take a year or two probably, and they're going to need some help. With that being said, Wisconsin just, I think, steamrolls this game too. Uh, Georgia Southern just does not have enough horses, if you will, uh, to, to play this game. The other game that we're going to pay attention to, Maryland-Virginia for me, is an absolute bellwether game for both of these programs. We saw Virginia kind of get taken apart in week one, right? Right. Um, I don't think it was very fair because of emotions, because they were also playing a really high-powered Tennessee team, right? Right. In Nashville, and the the, the idiots on television. I can't believe that the, the amount of Tennessee fans here in Tennessee. Nashville? Duh. Yeah. No! You mean to tell me that a trip from Knoxville to for like two and a half, three hours or whatever it is from Knoxville to to Nashville, we, we wouldn't possibly see on on that route like 90% of the, you idiots. All right, but really? anyway, Maryland, right? Maryland, we have kind of both hinted at them being kind of this sleeper-ish type team in the Big Ten East, a team that you've got to watch. Show me. Yeah, that's where I'm that, at with with Maryland. That, right that's now. what that's what this game would be. I, I also think the Washington Michigan State game would be worth noting. I um, I don't. I don't. It, uh, and here's why I don't think that Washington mm-hmm. State is up here. Washington State right. is an absolute championship level type team. Michigan State is. I'm fighting to avoid the bottom of the Big Ten. This if this was Michigan State two years ago, Pat. This that that I would agree with you. Right now, they're garbage. They're hot garbage. They're terrible. They're not good. I'm telling you well, right the, now, this game does not matter the way that you think it does. Well, no. So what uh, what I'm trying to say though is is like I, I'm curious to see how they do with all the drama that's been going on in the background. Yeah, I don't care. They, they don't have it on the field. It doesn't matter. Mm. It, I get where you're going, right? Because that's the the narrative that's been driven, right? This week, it doesn't matter. This stuff was going on behind the scenes anyway, right? True, true. That's actually a fair point. Um, what, so what, so what, my point is this. Again, the, these people, yes, they have more influence over, or the outside world has more influence over college than professional at, at some point. Uh-huh. But I will say this. They don't have the talent right now. They don't have, I, I shouldn't say that. They've got talent on that team. They don't have it. There, something's missing. Something's not clicking with that program. And is that game at home, by the way? Yeah, it's in Michigan State. Okay, 
watch, then I would say possibly watch this game. And the only reason why is because we know what about Pac-12, Big Ten. Traveling. Yeah, we've, we've talked about that before. That's the whole travel factor. Big Ten teams do not do well out there. Pac-12 teams do not do well traveling to the Big Ten. Right. That's just the reality. So it, I will say this. I would suggest that Washington maybe has to squeak this out in the first half, like it's close for a half, and then they blow the doors off. But it, the, the, only, the only way this game is interesting to me is Michael Penix Jr. coming back to Big Ten country. Yeah. Because he has turned into an absolute stud at Washington where there were issues as, as to how he was being used at Indiana. Like, what? How, how did you allow that to happen, Indiana? How, Nate Sudfeld? What? Yeah. Um, With all but, that being said, though, Pat, any last thoughts on the college football season? Cause we got uh, I was going to say, by the way, do you think Nebraska gets their uh, first one against Northern Illinois this weekend? Yes, because Northern Illinois is not Northern Illinois of five, six, seven years ago. That that program has gone downhill. Um, five, six, seven years ago, even when Nebraska was Nebraska at five, six, seven years ago, I would say, watch this game. Trap and a half, but not right now. All right, so we're going to move on from college football, I think. But the only thing that I would say is Maryland's at home, but this is a DMV game. They had some struggles last week with Charlotte's offense. They... Yes, they won by 18 points. It was 38-20, but they gave up 20 points to Charlotte. Yeah. If that defense doesn't come to play, Virginia has a real shot at this game. Maryland has proven that they can score. They scored 38 points in week one, 38 points in week two. Virginia's got to show that it can play some defense against a solid opponent. I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I agree. To be honest, I, I I just I don't know. I mean, Virginia is zero and two on the season, right? Losing to both Tennessee and James Madison. Now they lost in dramatic fashion to James Madison, thirty six thirty five, but that doesn't bode well. And but don't get me wrong, James trapped. Madison is a good program. Okay, mm. they were a good, a great FCS program, and now they're building into the FBS, right? Yeah. <clears throat> um, that was a bad loss, though. I think that Virginia game could be a trap loss for Maryland, though. Yeah, that's what I mean. That something's going to have to give in this game. We'll see mm-hmm. if Maryland can be that for real team that can play with Penn State, can play with Ohio State, with Michigan. Let's see if that can happen. The only way yeah. that we're going to know that is this game, though, because if we take a look at the um, Maryland schedule, right, um, it's then Big Ten play at Michigan State, Indiana at Ohio State, at Northwestern, Penn State at home, at Nebraska, Michigan at home, you know, at Rutgers to end the year. They don't have an easy road going forward. They they're gonna have to show and prove in this game. Now they have two, I think, games that they're that are winnable for them, right? Right. But we'll see. All right. With that all being said, Pat, I think it's a great time for us to move on to the NFL, to the Big Boy League, where. Your Baltimore Ravens have an absolute great matchup. But before we get into the three matchups we are going to watch the most in the NFL this weekend, i got to give two honorable mentions. Chiefs-Jaguars. Chiefs looked uh, all right in the first game, but they had some issues. Against a very motivated Lions team, by the way. Right. Going on the road to Jacksonville. 
are the Jags for real? Can they be that that team that takes that division in the South? This would be a I good mean, game to find that out. They they will take the division in the South. It's a matter of how. I don't know. Let's let's see what Indy does. I think fair. I think we gotta watch them. But Vikings Eagles tonight, Thursday night football. This game is going to matter for the Vikings. Bigly. Going on the road to Philly. You better show and prove because you didn't in week one. You didn't come to play in week one at home. I mean they they played, but they didn't play well in week one at home. No. Going oh in two with Green Bay going to Atlanta in a game that if Green Bay wins, you are now two games behind your division rival. If the Lions go on to win in week two, you are now effectively three games behind your Detroit Lions, right? Because mm-hmm. you've because you've lost twice. Well, you've got two losses. You're likely to split that series, so you're effectively three games behind. I, I just holy smokes. Even if you go th- three and three in your division, you are still two games behind. Also, the Bears have a real shot at being zero and two. You've got to put yourself into position early on this season to not have to scramble later. Going on the road to the Eagles to have to do because here's the reality, right? Look at the rest of that schedule, Pat. Pull it up real quick for the Vikings. For the Vikings, yeah, pull it up. Uh, Eagles, Chargers, at Panthers, Chiefs, at Bears. Yeah, does that sound like a lot of wins? I mean, we're Bears, talking about Panthers, a team that might have maybe? two wins in their first six mm-hmm. if they can't win this game. <clears throat> well, three and three have... versus two and four, and you tell me when you look at the Lions and the Packers in that division and tell me they are not three or four games up on you. Well, yeah, after six weeks, if you've got three games to make up after six weeks, yikes. I mean, they, they still got the Niners at home. They got at Atlanta, at home with New Orleans. I'm not liking this schedule. I'm not no, liking exactly. That's my point. You, yeah. This is the game where you win or you're in deep dog doo-doo. Because you've got to pull a win out of the hat against some of these top-tier teams if you want to win this division. That's the reality at this point in time. Yeah, all right. I agree. All of that being said, those are the honorable mention games, the three games that we are going to watch the most. Ravens at Bengals, Browns at Steelers. Huh, the entire AFC North. <laughs> and the <laughs> NFC West matchup between the 49ers and Rams. Rams at home against the 49ers. Um, Brock Purdy looked uh, balls in week one. Got a chance to watch that. My my shout out to Iowa State boy. The Rams looked better than I thought they would in week one, but week one is week one. Is that really indicative? We don't know. That's why this matchup matters for me. Let's see which one of those teams that impressed in week one can do it again in week two. Well, because I think, I, I mean, one of these two teams, I think it's either going to be the 49ers or the Rams that win that division, and I think this game could be um, <clears throat> a marker for who who's going to own that division yeah seattle had that kind of crazy loss right um yeah so we'll see on that but when we take a look at 
the other two matchups I mentioned. I think these are the two teams at home. These are must-win games already in week two. You got the Bengals and you got the Steelers. You mean to tell me the Bengals could go 0-2 and the Steelers would be 0-2? I would have told you you're nuts. Well, the the Bengals went 0-3 last year and still made it to the AFC Championship. Yeah, um, but they did it. If you remember that, their mm-hmm. offense looked really good doing it. Yeah, their offense and- looked exactly what it. What did I tell you in the preseason prediction part of this? I told you that there was going to be a step back from this offense, and that was Week One. They looked like dog crap in week one well, on offense. Well, well, not, not to mention that Browns defense just looks really good. Um, yeah. By the way, one and, of the greatest so, things, did you see the uh, the um, the reel of Zadarius Smith, former Packer, former all, uh, former Viking, now with the uh, Browns, what they did after that week one win? No. There's like a VIP lounge apparently. Oh, yeah. And he tried to get into the VIP lounge to celebrate with the people after the game, and they wouldn't let him in. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. But, um, I mean, seriously, though, for the Ravens and Browns, this these two this matchup is not as important. And, and why? Because they set themselves up for some – they've already got a start to their season. It, one and one is very different than 0 oh and 2 in this division. Right. Well, the Ravens, though, I mean, losing J.K. Dobbins for the season – Right, right, right. We know that. Uh, it, it just and then Lamar Jackson looked awful, by the way, last week. Absolutely awful. Right. I think the more important importance of this game belongs for the Bengals, though, and it belongs oh, for the Steelers 100%. because the Steelers were getting booed at home last week. Okay. Well, they lost to a very good Forty Nine er team, though. They got right. creamed. But they it's... got their ass booed off the field. That doesn't happen very often in Steeler Nation, by the way. No, it doesn't. Okay? The Bengals, if they struggle in week two, and what I mean by struggle is if they don't show up on offense. Yeah. Two weeks in a row. That's a real problem for that team. They could lose that game, but as long as the offense shows up and makes a show of it. Right. Exactly. Let's say it's like 31-24 or... Something like that, where it's a close game, or seventeen sixteen, or something, right? Something, right? They got to show up because Joe Burrow didn't in Week One. He looked terrible. He looked yeah. terrified. They they weren't blocking well. They couldn't run the ball well. They couldn't that do line was anything. Awful. The O line was awful. The weather sucked. Sure, and, but both yeah. teams had that. I hate when people use that as an excuse. I really do because both teams play in that weather. One I of know. them figured out how to win, and one and, of you and, looked like complete and utter dog crap. And unfortunately, that was Deshaun Watson. So yeah, uh huh, uh huh. All right, and especially the Bengals of the of the three games of the six teams. This mm. they're the ones that this game matters the most to for their season. Because otherwise, you are 0-2 in your own division. Yeah. That be a problemo. All right. Yeah. So, prediction time. I've got the Ravens over the Bengals. Even without J.K. Dobbins in there, I think that that's a win. I've got, uh, I've got the Steelers putting it together at home. And then I've got the 49ers going to L.A. and winning that game. 
By the way, over under on three and a half televised fights in that game, in the stands. Are you, are you asking me? Yes, over or under three and a half. Um, I'm going to take the over. Because <laughs> my God, LA, what do you? What, just get your bleep together. Same with San yeah. Francisco fan. Get your bleep together. All right, I'm going to so, go with your predictions. Oh. I was going to say, I'm going to go with, uh, I mean, obviously Eagles over the Vikings. I think that's going to be a thing. Um, I'm actually going to go Bengals over Ravens simply for the fact I think the Cincinnati offense will turn it around this week. And if they do, the Ravens are in trouble, Um, especially with losing some of their weapons and stuff. And if Lamar has the same um, showing that he had last week, it's, it's going to be bad for the Ravens. Um, and then I'm I'm going to go with with how well good the Browns looked last week. I'm going Browns in Pittsburgh. Um, De, I mean Deshaun Watson looked pretty good. The Browns offense. I mean Nick Chubb is doing what Nick Chubb does, but that Browns defense. Oh my gosh, that Browns defense was ginormous last week. Mm-hmm. So yeah, go with that one. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, <clears throat> with that, those are our esteemed picks for the week. We'll see how we do. Pat, though, your final thoughts on today's show. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. Go Buckeyes. Please be smart. Be safe. Be kind. Make sure you eat all of your meals today. And as always, Matthew 547.